So this morning's reading is from Psalm 136, and this morning's reading is going to be read by none other than you. How does that feel? If you're worried about repetition, this is not going to be enjoyable for you. If you enjoy repetition, you are going to love the next couple of minutes. I'm going to read the first line, you're going to read the second line, and uh, to keep the blood flowing and to keep our engagement high, if it's possible, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read Psalm 136. No problem if you don't want to stand. I'll read the first line, you read the second line until we are done. Sound good? We're on Thanksgiving Sunday. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. To him alone does great to him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our lowest state. And freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. You may be seated. <laughs> if there's one thing you're going to remember today, his love endures forever. I've got to carry on talking. If you're tired, I've got to keep going. Luke tells a story in his gospel where he uh, talks through the accounts of Jesus' life, and uh, he tells the story that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went... They were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
I'm grateful to Susie Silk who's helped me to uh, unpack some of this passage. And we're looking at the Psalms and we're looking at today this wonderful gift of thanksgiving, what it, what it means to be a person of gratitude. In the story that Luke tells about Jesus, there's an amazing thing that happens. There's 10 guys who are walking and they have leprosy. Leprosy was not really a technical term. Doctors wouldn't use the term like we use it today. It was a term for people who were unclean and probably had some form of skin disease. And because they were unclean ceremonially in Jewish uh, tradition, they were not allowed into the courts of the temple. So they were ostracized from the, the key places of, uh, of life. It was like they weren't allowed to go to school. They weren't allowed to go to the shops. They were, they were sort of outsiders. And so they're walking outside the city, and they're far away, and they're basically in a space of going, what are we going to do to get clean again so we can just live in society? They're marginalized. They're on the edges, and so they shout out because they know Jesus is that guy who's been doing some amazing stuff, and they say, Son of God, help us. Do something for us. And, and amazingly, you know, Jesus doesn't seem to have any formulae for how he heals people, and it's no different here because now he says to them a, a fairly ordinary command. He says, Go, walk your way back and show the, the priests that you, you're healed. It's an interesting version of healing. I don't know if you picked that up, but Jesus basically just said to them, uh, go show yourselves to the priests. It's like, what do you mean go show yourself? What, nothing's changed. What do, you, what do you mean go show yourself? And it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. And then they have this amazing experience of being cleansed. So, so they're not just healed, there's a sense now they're actually able to live life again. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. Imagine you just stuck at home, you're isolated for weeks and weeks on end, you can't leave your house, sound familiar, and uh, you're ostracized from society, and you're just living in terrible isolation. And suddenly you're free to live again. Know the feeling? <laughs> this is what they, were, they went through. But, but what's most amazing in the story is how Jesus looks and he goes, when this one guy comes back, he says, we're not all the other guys cleansed. He's amazed at their lack of gratitude. He asked them, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? See, the only guy who came back was a Samaritan. The only guy who came back was a Samaritan, and a Samaritan was a person who was least likely to have any meaningful relationship with a Jewish person. They were notoriously hostile to each other. They didn't get on well, the Samaritans and the Jews, and they hated each other. And yet he's the only guy who goes back to the Jewish man, Jesus, and says, thank you. Let's speculate for a moment. Why do you think they never went back? What, what could have been the reasons? We, we don't exactly know, but we could speculate. I think the one reason could be immediacy. They want their healing. They, they've been told to go to the priest, so they go. They're in a rush. Life is busy, and they wanted their quick answer. Maybe they're frustrated with Jesus as they went. They're kind of going, we want this thing quick, so let's get going. And we want our, our, our immediate healing now. Maybe they weren't cleansed as quickly as they hoped. You know, it's this walk towards Jerusalem. We don't know how long that walk was, but if they were on the border of Samaria, it could have been a day or two's walk. So they're frustrated with Jesus. Why are you telling us to walk all the way to Jerusalem for this healing? We want stuff now. We've heard about you. You do that stuff. You've walked on water, man. People have told us. And, and you've given people food. And you've, you've healed people. You've, hand, shriveled hands have grown right in front. Just give us our healing now. Come on. Maybe they were just, you know, immediacy junkies. They wanted it now. 
maybe they were expecting a little more entertainment. This should have been more spectacular. Who are you to tell me to walk on a dusty road all the way back? We've heard about the fireworks you've created. We've heard about a few loaves and fishes that have been multiplied. We've heard you're the guy. Don't you walk on water? Aren't you that dude? Are you telling us this boring, unentertaining thing of just walking a road back? Maybe it was entertainment. They were just disappointed with the method that he was using. Maybe it was self-sufficiency. Maybe they went on this long walk back, and they had heard some medical reports. You know, like, if you just walk, you do some exercise, it's really good. The vitamin D in the sun could heal you. You know what, guys? It wasn't him. It was us. We healed ourselves. It was this long walk back that got the vitamin D and the blood flowing, and now we're cleansed. And so they actually thought it was more them than it was Jesus after all of that. Maybe that's why they never went back. Hey, maybe they were just too busy. Oh, life is hectic. We've traveled all this way. We've got now plans. You know, we're back in the family. We're cleansed. The priests have said, good, you're in again. And now we've got to go see family, friends. We've got to get our jobs back. We've got stuff to do. Life is important. Let's make things happen. And because their life got so busy, they forgot that there was someone that had made them whole, who had actually healed them. Maybe it was entitlement. Maybe they just thought they deserved it. Maybe they thought, you know what, we're the Jewish guys, you know, and, and he's the Jewish Messiah, it seems, and, uh, well, when the Messiah comes, we're going to get stuff. It's going to be good for us, and we've earned it. We've been through some tough times over the last couple of years, uh, a couple of hundred years for that matter. This is our moment. Let's get our healing. Let's keep moving. There's more to come. This stuff is just the beginning of the trickle of, of stuff coming our way. We're entitled to more than this. This is just the beginning. I don't know what it was. I'd love to know what exactly happened in the hearts of those nine guys who just never went back to Jesus to say thank you. But the one Samaritan who does go back, he gets something that all the other nine don't. And I want you to remember this as we get into Thanksgiving and as we remind ourselves of the importance of Thanksgiving. You see, when he comes back and Jesus inquires, says, where are the other nine? Eventually, he says to this guy, he says in verse 19, then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. You see, that word, made you well, is the word I've taught us before, sudzu. It's, if you're very English, you say sozo. But actually, in the, the Greek, it's sudzu, S-O-Z-O. And it speaks of much more than just you're healed. It speaks of your salvation. It speaks of your eternal right standing with God, that, that God himself has pronounced a new verdict over your life. You are not just fixed uh, physically. You are fixed in that your soul is now in good standing with God. You are now right with him. He has forgiven you. He's given you what you've always actually needed and wanted, to know that on this planet that is filled with difficulty and filled with challenges, and filled with questions in your soul that ask, am I enough? Am I truly right? Is there something, is there a word out there that will make my life right? He receives it from the God who has come to earth in Jesus Christ. And he says, you are now saved. You're eternally right with God. You're in relationship with me. You've got it. You've got the fundamental essence of what it means to be human. I have made you 
good. I've made you whole on the inside. And the gateway to uh, heaven has been open to you right now on earth. You've got relationship with me. Life starts now. You've got sudzu. You've got sozo. Your life is healed. It's an amazing moment for this guy. And it was gratitude that opened that door up. It was this gratitude where he goes back and he says, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Unlike the other nine who were uh, probably driven by at least one of these things, immediacy or entertainment or self-sufficiency or busyness or entitlement or maybe even forgetfulness. I think in our own lives how maybe this could happen. I think of how maybe immediacy, we, we tend to miss God and not thank Him and so miss out on something that He wants to give us because, well, we're in a rush. We want it now. And so we pray a prayer, and we prayed it six months ago, and we forgot that we prayed it. And so in between then and now, we said, you know, God, give me this job. Eventually, the job arrives, but I've worked so hard on my CV. Oh, my gosh, and I've sent so many emails, and I've done so many phone calls. You know what? I've forgotten. And maybe it's, it's entertainment. You know, God, I thought when you answered prayers, you would do it like you do on the TV. I've watched those Christian movies. I've seen how people radically have you answer prayers. This just felt kind of ordinary. I kind of asked you, and then somebody called me and told me that they got a brother or a friend who's looking for someone to employ, and uh, we found the job, and cool, I got a job. And it just wasn't fireworks and spectacular, and it's not going to make it on TV. And so because we're uh, sort of not entertained by the miracle, we forget that God still answered the prayer. We forget that He still did something. He still heard us. Or maybe it's self-sufficiency. That CV of mine was awesome. And I smashed that interview. And I just knew it from the moment I walked out that I had that job and that boss was in my pocket. I'd sorted it out. I had done that thing. And you forget that you were up at the front of this church with a bunch of people and said, I need a job and I feel vulnerable. And so we, we look at our own interview style and technique and we go, I did it. And our self-sufficiency rises to the surface and how quick and easy it is to forget God. Maybe just too busy. Now that the job's arrived, I've got stuff to do. I've got a boss to impress. I've got a ladder to climb. I've got, I got so many responsibilities that have just landed on my plate. There's just no time. My life is too full to think about gratitude. Too busy or entitled. Because really at the beginning, I deserve a job. I deserve it. This stuff is mine from the beginning. I am the kind of person who deserves a great job all the time. Look at me. And so we feel entitled to these sorts of things. So when they come, why would I thank God? Sure, I prayed, but it really is kind of, you know, I did, I did study. I did go to school. I deserve this stuff. It's only like the politics and the economics that mess with it. Otherwise, I, I deserve this kind of life. And so our gratitude slips away, our entitlement increases, or maybe it's just what the Israelites and humans have been doing forever. It's plain old forgetfulness. You just keep forgetting that it actually is God who did all that stuff. Psalm 136 that we read was read out by the people often, probably in a very similar way to the way that we did it now, because they understood something about themselves that every human being should understand about themselves. We are immensely forgetful. 
And we need a whole bunch of ways to remind our very forgetful hearts that God is on the move, that God does a whole bunch of amazing stuff. And we'd be crazy not to live lives of increasing gratitude and, and thanks and to be able to see Him in all various and different and important ways. It's important here, Rich Velodis, he says it like this. He says, it's quite possible, however, to say thank you 50 times a day, but to not have a life marked by gratitude. Gratitude is about discerning the gifts that are present before us. It also entails the steadfast refusal to order one's life around comparing, complaining, and coveting. Comparing, complaining, and coveting. What he's not saying is you walk around just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and you will become a grateful person. That's not how it works. It's a steadfast refusal to order our life around comparing. Look what they've got. Look what I do or don't have. Complaining. Oh, my goodness, we are a good bunch of grumblers, aren't we? Coveting. Wishing we had what they've got. Gratitude is the great antidote to all of that. You see, one of the scariest things about those nine lepers is what they missed out on. In, in lacking gratitude, in having proud hearts that were possibly too busy or filled with immediacy or whatever else, they missed out on sozo. They missed out on relationship with God. They missed out on knowing that they could enjoy the God of this world, that they could have a sense of relationship that would fill every other void that their busyness or their immediacy or their longing for luxury or whatever else can never and will never fill. That, that was the, the great shame of the story, that their ingratitude left them cut off from the God who wants to have relationship with them. By the way, there are some amazing scientific benefits to gratitude, which just feed into why God would want this. I love it when science backs up scripture. 300 Berkeley students um, were studied by uh, professors Brown and Wong, and, uh, and basically, they were, they were studied around gratitude. And, and those who expressed more gratitude um, said there was greater neural sensitivity. In other words, their brains functioned better, especially around learning and decision-making. Gratitude had a direct correlation between their ability to learn and make good decisions. Two psychologists um, asked people to write a, a letter of thanks to people, uh, to at one person, and uh, just thank them for what they had done. This is a fascinating study. What they found was that um, in, uh, after 10 weeks, those who wrote, uh, sorry, there were three letters. Those who wrote gratitude letters, those who wrote just arbitrary letters, and those who wrote like gripey, grumbly letters. And it was fascinating. Those who wrote gratitude letters were more optimistic and felt better. They exercised more, interestingly. Grateful people seem to exercise more. And... Uh, and yet, in all those situations, there was no change in their physical situations. Nothing changed except that they were more optimistic, felt better, and exercised more. It's just science. There's nothing biblical about this. I'm just trying to help you see that gratitude has a correlation to some of our own joy levels. There was another study. It said, write a letter of thanks to someone. And amazingly, when they did write this letter of thanks, there was a huge uh, increase in happiness scores up to a month after writing the letter of just saying thank you. I did that exercise this week. After reading this, I thought, wow, cool, I'm going to try that. And I, and I wrote a letter of thanks to somebody who's been a, a huge impact in my life. And they wrote back and said thank you, and I felt fantastic. 
It was free, free joy. It was amazing. Other studies say that there's better sleep, more exercise, higher physical health. Limits to uh, physical health are directly connected to gratitude, says one study. Gratitude increases health and happiness. The studies are all over. It, it's fascinating. But more importantly, I think from a biblical, spiritual perspective, is that when we don't practice gratitude, when we don't live lives that discern what God is actually doing and what He's given us, and we live complaining, comparing, we end up missing out on relationship with the God who gives it. And we end up getting distracted. I had a fascinating uh, interaction many, many years ago. I might have told you this story. But I try my best every year, at least once a year, to sit with somebody that I love and trust and respect, who loves Jesus and knows me, and I say, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts. What am I doing well? What do you think I could do better? And uh, I'll cut, to this stuff, uh, cut past the stuff I was doing well, because you're not interested in that. You want to know, what were, you, what were you not doing well? And I said to him, what, what could I improve on? And this guy said to me, I've been thinking about this. You could be more grateful. Going, I could be more grateful. That's a fascinating piece of feedback for my life. And we work closely together. And as I pondered this, I began to realize he was right. Everyone could always be more grateful. And if that's something he's picking up in my life, I want to grow in gratitude. And 10 years later, I hope I've gotten better because I don't think I've got it all right. But I'd like to think that I'm growing in my ability to be grateful to God and to others to thank him and to spot what he's doing. You see, gratitude isn't a case of just writing a list of things you're thankful for. Gratitude is much more than that. It's discerning where God is when it isn't always going well. It's looking and finding God and being thankful in those moments. I think we could do well to follow some of the Old Testament patterns of developing rhythms of thanksgiving. I think of the Old Testament. There were moments where they would have these amazing celebrations. They would have feasts when they were uh, getting a child, when they were uh, earning new uh, income, when they would inherit new property, when they were just generally feeling thankful. They would rush off to the temple and present a sacrifice and just simply celebrate with their loved ones and say, God has given us something amazing. When they were taking a vow, even when they were just making a general sacrifice, they'd have a meal of thanksgiving in the Jewish community. Hey, another key to increasing gratitude is, is continuous surrounding with other people who are grateful. The, the church, uh, in, in the early church in Acts, it says they gathered together with, with grateful and sincere hearts. There was this sense of thanksgiving and gratitude that permeated. It, it's a bit like your gratitude muscle is often as strong as your connection to the local church community. That's why we say, hey, get to life group and get to Sundays as often as you can. Because you, you create these humble soul and a humble soul is often and usually a happy and content soul. Because you're not spotting what you're missing, you're spotting what you've got. And we need each other to remind ourselves. Sometimes the rhythms of community are some of the most profound ways to simply stay grateful. We, we always say, you know, I think it's uh, basically eight weeks uh, per term that we say get to life group. Every week, as, as long as your life group's meeting, get there. Make it a high priority. Because you're not going to feel it necessarily on Wednesday evening when you drive home. You're going to feel it in 2024 and 2025 when you've got those rhythms of gratitude that have taught you week in and week out to keep discerning the kindness of God, 
over and over and to watch answered prayers and to see what God has done. We say the same of Sundays. This isn't a show where you get to hear a, a decent TED Talk type thing and you get the good ones that you enjoy and you message your buddies to listen. No, no, church community is about rubbing shoulders with God's people and seeing the story of God and regularly being aware of a very kind God to whom we should be very grateful. We don't do this as a kind of optional extra. We say the more mature you become in Jesus, the more regularly you probably pitch up in a place like this and say, these are my people. These are my gratitude friends. We are doing life learning to see God in a world that is often teaching each other to compare and to get grumpy about what we don't have. Dr. Waldinger says, personal connection creates emotional stimulation, which is an automatic mood booster, while isolation is a mood buster. The people of Israel had holidays to say thanks. They would gather in, in different ways to, to thank God, whether it was agricultural or the Passover. They even added holidays uh, after you know, the Exodus. I think of Hanukkah. They added that holiday, which was the Festival of Lights, when they rededicated the second temple. There was a moment to say thanks. When Esther uh, sort of redeemed the people, they made another moment called Purim, and they started to celebrate that. They would build uh, altars all over the land. Wherever there's something God did that was amazing, they'd get a pile of rocks, they'd stack it up, and they'd say, whenever we walk past that, you tell your kids what happened. You tell your kids what happened at the edge of the Jordan. This is where we passed through on dry land. It's a crazy miracle. Tell them. Remember when, when dad didn't have any work and he couldn't get through it? And then God provided that amazing harvest. Or actually, no, God didn't provide a harvest. There might be another part of the story. Actually, the neighbors came and they knew that was tough. And they blessed us for the year. And we put an altar because we saw God in that. Wow. Their daily practices in the Old Testament. Morning, noon, and night that reminded them to stay in rhythms of gratitude. Learning to discern what God was doing. I don't know what it would look like in our lives. I think to dot your house with, with things. Maybe it's sticky notes. Maybe it's actually not just putting artwork on your walls, but choosing your artwork to, to, to symbolize something that you're increasingly grateful for. To, to ensure that your house is a, is a liturgy. It's a journey through which you don't just walk to the, the center of the home and it's an amazing TV that you can all gather around and be secularized one hour at a time. But maybe your house is a journey of gratitude. And each plant, you've got a story to tell, and, and each picture, and you get into your office, and or whatever your spaces are, and there's reminders of the kindness of God. What if we liturgized ourselves into increasing gratitude? What if our meal times were more than just, you know, sit wherever you want, eat whatever you want, and I'll see you tomorrow morning? But we actually say, hey, how was your day? We do something called high-low buffalo. You ever heard of that? I doubt it. As a family, highs, what, what was good that happened in your day? What was low that happened in your day? And buffaloes are funny-looking things. And we say, well, what was funny that happened in your day? And we tell high-lows and buffaloes each time, whether it's before bed or during supper, because it just keeps us grateful for what's going on in each other's lives. You guys going to try that? Cool. That one's for free. I won't charge you if you use it. Jesus did the same. He followed through on these meals of thanksgiving and gratitude and celebration. And we're going to do the same even today. I'd encourage us to consider carefully, what are the rhythms of our life and are they feeding comparison or are they feeding our sense of gratitude? Are they feeding covetousness for what we don't have or are we feeding our sense of joy in what God has done? 
Are they feeding our souls to keep complaining to ourselves or to others? Or a growing sense of gratitude for what God has done? Maybe even this Christmas. I don't know if you decorate your home, but maybe you want to think carefully about the decorations you put up. Are they just random pictures or are they symbolizing some stuff that you're grateful for? Are you putting the decorations up going, hey, let's, let's tell a story each time of something we're thankful for that God's done this year. Just some s- small creative stuff that can keep telling you the story of the kindness and the goodness of God. There are so many things. And we are often just, I think, too busy and running at too fast of a pace. And this psalm that we read slows us down and it just says, His love endures forever. Not in the, always the good times. There's some tricky times in this psalm. I don't know if you saw that, but there's some moments where it's just plain old difficult for the, the people who are reading the psalm. They're going through things like uh, the wilderness. He led his people through the wilderness. Oh, that sounds miserable. His love endures forever. He remembered us in our lowest state. We were the, the littlest of all the nations. We didn't have anything going for us. His love endures forever. He freed us from our enemies. That means we had big, scary enemies who were trying to kill us. His love endures forever. His f- he gives food to every creature. We were hungry. We didn't know where our next meal was coming from. His love endures forever. It takes skill, it takes faith, it takes courage to enter into this life that Jesus wants us to have. It calls us to relationship. If you want to live a religious, stuck, robotic life, then say thank you 50 times a day. If you want to enjoy the life of Jesus, if you want to enjoy relationship, that that sense of eternal life, that knowing you're right with God, then you move towards God looking at the world in which you live and you increasingly learn to say thank you. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Paul says, always give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesians 5. Thessalonians 5.13, give thanks in all circumstances. What? Well, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All circumstances? Yeah, even when you go through trials, learn to discern God's, His work. We in our prayer meeting this morning, we thank God for prayers that He didn't say yes to. When last did you thank God for saying no or wait? Maybe the Father God has a filter over your life called the Father Filter. And you've been going, give it to me now. And he's going, you don't know what would happen if I gave that to you now. That could be the worst thing. And so he filters his love and he says, no, or wait. What if we could thank him for some of those no's? And you say, wow, God, you said no, and I didn't like it, and my nerve ends were jangling, and you made me wait to the 11th hour and some. But maybe that was good. I'm going to ask the guys that have uh, got some stuff they want to thank God for to come up and um, to wonder, maybe you can pass the mic here. Um, And we're going to just take a moment as a community to give thanks, to thank God for what He's been doing in our lives. We're having lots of interaction. You uh, have done our reading for us, and we're going to hear a few uh, short sort of reminders of, of some of the things that God has been up to in our community. And so maybe come a little closer. Mark, walk up, walk up. Come this side so we can spread it out. Oh, I don't know. You, you're good there, Roz. You want to be next to your daddy? Of course you do, man. You guys okay there? Do you need a high five? 
Zara. We're not going to make you start. Which way should we go? Should we start with... No, we'll start with... Why don't we... Oh, my, next, is the mic working there? Okay, there we go. Troy can start. Love it. Yeah, so I'm so, so grateful to God for um, blessing me to partner with Tara and Adrian to lead, to lead the, the Young Adults Life Group. Um, it's just such a nice, uh, like-minded community that God has given us to just love each other, love God, and just to work more to be more like Jesus. And yeah, I just give thanks to that. And maybe, Shan, before you speak, we, we prayed in the beginning of the year, and that maybe many of these will be moments of prayers answered, but we said, God, give us some young adults. We have lots of 30-pluses, uh, and we have a lot of people below 13, but we want some 20-somethings, some people who are in that age bracket, and God provided. And, Shan, you're part of that group, but I know you're not going to share that. Yeah, exactly. My, in my 20s, I've now <laughs> gone into my 30s, but thank you, Raj. No, exactly. <laughs> you got the look. <laughs> I, I just would love to give thanks to God for the teenagers. So if the teenagers could just stand up for a moment, um, if you're part of Frequency. <laughs> I know you may be nervous and I can see you. If you're not standing, I can see you. That's fine. I just want to give thanks for your life, for your presence. And I feel like you encourage me every time I meet with you to draw closer to God. And it's so special. I could cry. Like that's how much your life means. So thank you for coming, um, and thank you for just being part of my life. Wow. Another answered prayer, by the way. We've said, God, teenagers, we, they're around, but give them to us that we can love and shepherd them. So mine is also church-related, but just so grateful to God for the families and individuals that he's added to our church this year. Um, we've run two DNA courses this year. If you were part of one of them, maybe give us a wave if you did DNA this year. I mean, there was actually upwards of 80 people who did DNA this year and saying, is this the church that God is adding me to? So we're just grateful to um, walk this journey um, alongside so many new people saying yes to community. Wow. Um, sitting in front this morning, I'm really grateful for, for all of you. And there's a wonderful sense of family here and I, I really love it. I also wanted to say thank you for um, our life groups and our life group leaders. That's where life happens, and I absolutely love it. I love our life group. I love the life group that uh, went out of us. Um, there were, there's a whole lot of new life groups, and we, we talk about you guys often. <laughs> the young adult life group and the teen life group that did it all by themselves. They meet up here. I'm so proud of that. I love it. And um, I'm grateful for our, um, for worship, um, our worship times and our meetings. There's a real sense of the presence of God that we have here, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for our Sunday morning prayer meetings, which is starting to feel like an um, a early morning uh, prayer meeting because of the people that come with, with a grateful heart and numbers, and I love it. I'm, I'm grateful to God for His generosity towards us as a people and for your uh, and my partaking in that as we give together. Um, I'm grateful for how God is, is busy in us as a people. I feel God is working in me and changing me and forming me, and every week I get to pray with somebody who says the same thing. I'm grateful for that. I see that there's stories week after week about people that encounter God and He changes them. And I'm grateful for our kids' ministry. That just we, we ask for that as well. And the kids' ministry has grown and it's been amazing. Ignite Fridays and that mad team that I get to uh, lead with. Grateful for Mareka and for everything that she brings, her competence and her excellence and the love for her job. And uh, we're grateful 
for our kids rock leaders as well and everything that you guys do and i'm grateful for top gen i look forward to joining you in five or ten years <laughs> <laughs> so this year i'm very thankful for my family and my friends and this church we have learned so much from and the ignite that we have on a friday which is so much fun and the leaders that run it i'm so excited i'm so thankful for my school where i also learn other things and that we don't have to wear masks anymore. Yay! Um, I, I just wanted to say how very grateful I am to God um, for his insurmountable love and care, particularly over the past 18 months, uh, which for me have been incredibly trying um, in terms of my work life. Um, and despite all the times of feeling absolutely desperate and in despair, he has been the one constant in my life, an ever-present help um, in my time of trouble. And he has always provided me with the strength, the courage, and the wisdom to, to face every situation. Um, he has been a good shepherd and a good, good father. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Beautiful. This year, I want to say thank you for my family. Wow! Yay! This year, I want to thank you to um, I want to thank you God for the amazing Kids Rock leaders and Mareka, my family and my friends, and my life group. Special thanks to everyone sitting in the hall for coming to church and praising the Lord. Um, I also wanted to say that the ignite has been really fun, and next year, if you haven't gone, I recommend it. Yay! <laughs> I just want to give thanks to the Lord in a very trying and testing year in my family and um, in a family member's health, my father. Um, but the Lord has provided, the Lord has, um, I think like Rog said, maybe our yeses and our no answers sometimes we don't understand, but um, the Lord's goodness and um, his constant provision. But um, more closer to me is um, in having to deal with this situation, I'm just so grateful to uh, this congregation, um, the community, our life group, uh, those who every day have encouraged me and guided me, and that's um, God's the body of Christ. And just one thing to share is that um, I was up in Pretoria, uh, right in the midst of this with some very difficult decisions to make, and um, yeah, I got a call from a bunch of men from this church, and um, yeah, they prayed. They prayed for me and my father um, on a Saturday morning when they could be watching rugby or sport. And yeah, that has kept me strong this whole year. Thank mm. you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I'm very thankful for God, um, the God who provides, who uh, gives our church to us so that we can pray together for many people across the world that can pray pray with us, and that he's got our future in our hands. So I just have to read some scripture. Um, Psalm 16 verse 5 says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. My story shortly is that I've been diagnosed with advanced stage ovarian cancer in February this year. I went through major surgery, chemotherapy, and in September, basically, they said, unfortunately, the cancer is still widespread, and we're looking at just maintenance therapy, quality of life. 
um, I begged them for surgery and many people prayed right before the surgery on the 7th of November people prayed with me in this church and God answered in a way that I also have to read um, Psalm 8 verse 8, 8 to 1 verse 7 says in distress you called and I delivered you I answered you in the secret place of thunder so very secretly God came and a seven hour surgery turned to two hour surgery because they opened me up and they virtually couldn't find any cancer um, and we praise God for that um, yeah so um, he's not just given healing he's given a future and he's holding my lot in his hands wow. I want you guys to stay up here yeah you can give them a round of applause Renelle's a, a profound story, but actually all of you guys have just been so amazing and sharing, and we're so grateful for your hearts of gratitude. Um, one of the amazing things is I was chatting with a friend yesterday. We were at a school concert, and one of them, a uh, buddy from church, and he was saying how um, just this week, Paul and Renelle, who had come up for prayer, obviously and wonderfully, and we had prayed as, as elders and friends do. And we said, God, it's ours to ask. And while it's ours to ask, bring healing. And uh, we trust that God has been uh, very gracious in answering that prayer. Um, but one of the amazing things was that this last Sunday, um, talk about coming back and saying thanks. <laughs> Just an amazing group of people in the frontier. Not saying, God, give us another thing. But actually saying, God, thank you, you gave us what we asked for. In the same spot that we said, please, was the same spot we said, thank you. That's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a story of faith because we're not just going, please, please, God, and then we celebrate our way out. We go back to the same place. I wonder when last you went back to the same place, you said, please, and you said, thank you. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to move into communion. And I don't care how you take communion today. I, the scriptures are clear that taking communion is a beautiful and important part of what it means to follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, this is your gap to move towards him. The, the word Eucharisto, I don't know if you guys know this, Eucharisto means to give thanks. If you've come from any sort of Anglican background, you talk about the Eucharist. Eucharisteo means to give thanks. And it says that Jesus, on the night that he was uh, to suffer, he broke bread. And he gave thanks. I'm going to read this in a moment, but we're going to sing a song, and we're going to give thanks. And, and you're going to take the, the communion uh, elements, and maybe you want to pray a prayer of thanks. Maybe you want to pray it alone. Maybe you want to gather someone. But I'm going to ask you to gather not people primarily, but faith. Gather faith and look towards these elements because the elements tell us about a God who has answered the deepest prayer of our hearts. He doesn't just fix our diseases. He doesn't just fix our need for friendships or to give us a nice school, which we thank Him for. He fixes our deepest need to have Him with us. He, in his death and his resurrection, defeated sin and Satan and death, not as a cool fairy tale story, as the deepest need of our lives. And as you come to the communion table, maybe you come back after a long time of not actually seeing God in your life. Maybe you've been running away. Maybe you've done your own uh, kind of story of whatever excuse you've made to lack gratitude. 
But today may be the day you come back to communion as, as a sign of saying, God, I come back to you because you are God and you are who I need. And you may not fix all my problems today, but I come to you because the deepest need of my heart is to know you. I need sozo. I need the full sense of relationship with God. And then I can walk through almost anything. And Renelle's prayer throughout this has not just been, God, fix my cancer. Her prayer throughout has been, God, I trust you through it regardless. I trust that you will heal, but even if you don't, Famous Daniel 3.16 prayer. But even if you don't, you will still be our God. We will still trust you. I wonder if you could take, go to the communion table with that sense of trust and faith. That God, even if you don't give me the quick little answers, even if you say no or wait, I come to you, the one who died on my behalf, who rose again and is entering me into, inviting me into a new kingdom, a kingdom of life. A kingdom of feasting. This is not just a little piece of matzos and a, and, a, and a piece of grape juice. This is a symbolic of a feast of love. It's symbolic of a joy-filled experience. Jesus said, I won't, I won't feast on this again until I come back in all my glory. He's waiting for a true feast. And as we feast now, as we take of this bread, as we take of this cup, I want to invite you to symbolically feast on him with gratitude in your heart. Do it in pairs, do it in threes, do it alone, I don't mind, but do it with faith in your heart that He is what we